Radio Lockdown is a Neptune podcast. Whoa! Uh, so... I can hear you again. Uh, yeah, the, Skype is... <laughs> I can hear a very tinny, echoey Hello. version of your voice. Can you hear me, though? Yeah. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, I'm just going to talk. Oh, dear. Okay. Yo. Hello? Hey. Yay. That's working, right? It is working. Um, Unfortunately, I'm looking at my recording software, and it's saying that it's only just switched on. Oh my god! Yeah, man. Skype ate the fucking recording. Oh my god. Oh, so that recording, which was, I think, some of our best work. (laughs) I loved, there's such good energy. I don't know how we want to. Do we want to try again tomorrow? I don't know, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. But I mean, we could we could take the hit and skip a week if you want to, and try again next week. This is already going to be a low key week. I reckon what we do is we call back tomorrow. We chat for mm-hmm. a short period of time. Uh, we try and uh, say all the jokes we said today again from memory. <laughs> I think I can have a honed down version of our Star Wars chat. I'm excited for it. <laughs> oh my goodness. I just, this was, I, I'm not kidding here. I was like, I'm going to make this a longer episode than normal. Oh, no. I was like, I'm going to keep in basically everything we've said and it's just going to be chill and I'm not going to edit it down as much. Oh, no. Fucking brutal. Oh, man. Oh, that's. I was going to give myself less work this week by you know, doing less editing and uh, not having a guest and doing a bit less prep. I did not realize this would be the depression episode because Skype ate our fucking recording. Oh, dear. I'm so mad. (laughs) Maybe we can just do anger again. (laughs) We can just circle back. (laughs) Hey, listeners, uh, this is the depression podcast because... It ate a recording that went for over an hour. It was so good as well. Like, so fucking fresh. And it was so tight. Oh, the joke's there. <laughs> oh, this is the lost podcast. Uh, okay. Makes me... Okay. What's the plan? It makes you what? <laughs> makes you what? Makes me wish I had a prison guard following me around, recording everything I did. Man, this is such a good callback. <laughs> <laughs> dropped the panopticon that was so cool you dropped so much good shit (laughs) oh man we talked about okay no 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 it's gonna be okay no so how long do we have are you thinking (laughs) we had like five minutes and then we're done Uh, what I can do is reschedule my friend for tomorrow because we had these as options or I can 
do my chat with her now. We can come back to this in the afternoon because I'll be free then as well. Okay. Yep. Uh, let's say I need to walk away now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's important. And I need to breathe for, for a second. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Take a moment. It feels like this week's been kicking you in the crotch a little bit, oh, bud. <laughs> oh, 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 man. Okay. Uh, so this is fun. This is a... Uh, <laughs> Fun thing that we do. <laughs> oh, oh, Skype, man. Okay. I'm going to, and I'm going to start looking into other ways of doing this because I think that that is pretty much the last. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Um, I'll call you back. I'll let you go. We'll chat no, again like 334. So it was still lovely to chat. You go for a break. We'll catch up again at like 3, 4 o'clock. Okay. You, you, we'll do whatever. We'll chat in Messenger. I'm so sorry, man. It's okay. Not your fault. I know. I know it's not my fault, but okay, I'm still fucking Okay, for me, pissed. this is just a fun chat that we that's have. Oh, that's true. That's true, man. And it is. It's fun for me too. I'm not saying it's not fun. I'm saying just, that losing oh, that was... an hour of it that was good. Yeah. Uh, when so much of it is just fun that is unusual. This afternoon will be good in a, in a different different way. Well, at least you'll be more on my level in that we'll both be depressed <laughs> as opposed to just me. All right. Go take a walk, man. Go take five. Oh, man. Have a breather. <laughs> Neptune today is experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. At your local commode. Recovering coronavirus sufferer Peter Dutton turn The Curse of the Ruby Princess into a pirate romance novel. I would read that novel. You would read The Curse. Bottles falling out. Yar, you be listening to Adventures of Me, the dashing captain of the seas, Peter Dutton. Today's episode, The Ruby Princess. That'll show them rum dastardly smugglers trying to sneak past me, the dashing Captain Peter Dutton. Never on my watch will such a sort of vessel bring people to this land. Sails ho! Stop outside, Captain! I beg your pardon? Sails ho! Stop outside! Dashing Captain Peter Dutton! Aha! Uh -huh. Sails! Only keen eyes and thrilling as my own sparkly ice chips could spot her. Red sails, the gall. I shall stop this boat like hundreds of others. All hands on deck, bring us around! Avast, ye be in the presence of I, the dashing Captain Peter Dutton. Surrender yourselves or prepare to be shark bait. Finally! We're throwing ourselves at your mercy! We are pursued by plague and slander! My fellow princesses have been left stranded on the medium to high seas, and we have nowhere to turn. Who be you, lass? I am Princess Ruby. Please, you must allow us to dock. My passengers, they have full wallets and a need to stimulate the local economy. Oh, sink me. She stood before me, alabaster white, the crimson British passport clasped in her hand. Her eyes were as bright and clear as the summer sky during the ashes. The light of the setting sun cast a shadow over the rest of her features, framing her visage in a way that made her look striking and not at all evil. Yes, follow I, 
the dashing captain Peter Dunn and the HMAS Quiet Australians disgorging passengers and spread amongst the populace. Stay tuned for more adventures of I, the dashing captain Peter Dunn, in which I never do anything wrong ever. Apologies, listeners. We appear to have been interrupted by a, a rather obtuse maritime radio frequency. Uh, we now return you to regular programming. The Lost Podcast. Oh, man, that was such a good... We did... That was, I think, one of our best. <laughs> and there's no way for anyone to check that. They just have to believe us. Just, just know, listen back to the previous three episodes and know we're capable of just a little bit more. Poor Justin, earlier this morning, was saying, oh, it's the depression podcast, you know, we've gone through anger and denial and all those things. He's feeling a bit low, you know, we, we, but we were getting up there. We were having a better time. We were chitting and chatting. Yeah. And then the last podcast. <laughs> I would like us to retread a little bit of ground because I do feel it's important that we first of all say, hey, we're not going to do a new section and there's going to be an interview, but it'll just be about IT stuff. But also, I want to ask Justin about Star Wars because he watched it I after did watch I told it. him to. Yeah. I did watch it. Yeah. So uh, essentially, the, the way that we were setting up this week was it was already going to be a bit of a strange episode. Not necessarily as strange as it might end up being <laughs> um, this way, but it was always going to be a bit different because I've had a bit of a week and my the podcast is not my life. Um, but it certainly is something that was that that I've been spending a lot of time on and and trying to make sound good and be fun and energetic, and yeah, I I I said this in the Lost podcast, but I'm going to repeat it for the real one that exists. We're just going to have like a, a blanket statement that I forgive you and you forgive me for any repeating stuff that we do. I'm going to pretend gonna have to happen. We're exactly. Just, we're just going to have to pretend that certain bits haven't been done. <laughs> And just redo them. <laughs> just laugh just as hard. Oh yeah, or... yeah, yeah. Or, or like psychically tell the punchline before the other person. <laughs> but yeah, I, I was setting up this one to be. I was having a conversation with a friend earlier in the week, and I was kind of saying I'm putting together this podcast. We're talking about people whose lives have been kind of upended by coronavirus, and. I've got a news segment and we do a different theme each week and we every second week have a tech segment and uh, so the interview runs for about half an hour and then we also have about half an hour of talking and I think there was at one point in the conversation where they were like, but isn't that just making you super tired? And there was a moment <laughs> where my body just went, yes, this is what we've been trying to tell you. <laughs> And like collapsed in on itself. And uh, so. As I have said before, I get the best part of this deal where I just get to have a nice chat every Sunday with yeah, my yeah. good friend Justin. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. And everything else. With and it. I don't mean that as like, I see, I prefaced this better in the original Lost podcast. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I led did into it. better in the last podcast, and you all just have to believe me. I was amazing, <laughs> I was on fire. I went through this long intro where I was like, I understand that other people have a, a lot, you know, harder than I do, and I'm complaining about nothing, but blah, 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 blah. Do you have, like, a bird behind you? 
Oh, I thought I'd sit outside and watch the rain because, um, again, uh, after a moment, you went for a two-hour two walk and I, in fact, stayed exactly where I was and watched a two-hour movie That's and then started though. another two-hour movie. And now you're listening to a, to a fantastic bird. Well, we'll this is going to be a, a joy. So let's just – Sorry, I'll, ev- I'll cut no, no, the no, bird out. No, no, leave the bird in. Uh, I would just – Everyone, this is the lazy week where I leave the bird in. If there's a bird, guys, there's <laughs> just a accept bird. It. Yeah. Yep. Uh, what a nice, this week's got what a, bird. a nice local flavour this is going to have. <laughs> I do have to tell you a bit of a story about working from home, just quickly. Right. So, you still there? Yeah, yeah. Did I drop out for a sec? No, we're good. Okay, cool. Um, cool, cool. You were just being polite, listening to me. It was weird. <laughs> it's a first. <laughs> I would never have done that. Have you noticed that in the other podcast? <laughs> you, when you're having like a, a video chat with someone or like a group of people, I don't know if this is the right term, but I think me and some of my friends are combative listeners. <laughs> if someone else is talking, you're like trying to take it in, but a large part of you is going, "Ooh, I wonder what I'm going to say next," and then you're thinking about what you're going to say, and you're not actively listening all the time. And the the worst the problem with that is that you end up talking over the top of each other all the time, and then you do that thing like you do when you bump into someone in a corridor, and you both sort of stop, or you both try and go the go the opposite way of the person to let the other person walk past, but you both go the same way, and you're like, oh, oh. I mean, I just did it, like I just did it <laughs> as you were talking about it. Because. Oh, because what I wanted to say was uh, it was something that I picked up as a kid. I was told, like, you have to acknowledge what someone else is saying before you can jump in with your own stuff. So I would just, like, as soon as someone started talking, just be like, yeah, huh, yep, uh-huh, yeah, cool, uh-huh. <laughs> and just agree with them faster so that they would get through their thing quicker. Ah, <laughs> uh, they're talking. But soon it shall be my turn. Absolutely. That, yep, yep, yep. Definitely that energy. And then, oh, yeah. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. That's just brought up because of the fun way that we talk to each other. Oh, for real. But, but yeah, I... I um, in... Oh, sorry, go. No, you go first. <laughs> we keep doing it. No, you go but first. I work from home now, mostly. I'm going to go into the office on a few days. But I live next door to a rooster. Oh, you do? I forgot about this. Yeah. Which is fine when you, like, work during the daytime. But this rooster, I would call him quite active. And he has a shit internal clock because apparently it's always sunrise. And this rooster is always like, everybody wake up at all times. This is the real quarantine chicken. I brought it back. (laughs) I brought it back. Oh, I did. I did laugh because... Again, KFC's advertising game, just so strong. You sent me one during the week, I think, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What was it? I'll bring it up. I'll bring it up on my phone. We don't message much, so it'll be easy to find. <laughs> There's the theme song, <laughs> which we'll get to later. There's all of me talking about Star Wars. And then uh, social distancing never tasted so good. <laughs> I'm just saying, their advertising area deserves a raise. And I deserve some chicken. That has uh, 1,700 likes on Facebook. It's not enough, quite frankly. Deserves more. I mean, that sounds like a lot of likes, but it also has 841,000 views. That is a pretty bad (laughs) rate of return, KFC. 
Anyway. It's okay. Facebook marketing's a hard gig. I'm going to talk about Star Wars because you got to see the expression. We did talk about Star Wars, no less. On Kylo Ren's face. The one that I was talking about where I'm like, oh, he's dreamy again. They fixed him, sort of. Don't think about it too hard. Yeah, okay. So we talked a lot. We had some great thoughts. I Let's just forget there was a previous podcast. I'm going to try and come back at everything again. I think I can summarize my point, though. I think I can, I can do this better. I enjoyed the most recent trilogy, but ultimately I wish someone had sat down, wrote a beginning, middle, and an end, and then you can have as many different directors as you want, but really there should have been like one writer. It really felt like every film had its own writer and they were all competing. I really think that JJ came into this film with all of his ideas for film number eight. And then they were like, no, 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 Ryan Johnson did number eight already. Like it's, it's happened. It's guys. Like, okay, JJ, if you had those. Just fucking do the movie then, okay? Look, I enjoyed Ryan Johnson. He did. I love him to bits. Brick was my favorite movie growing up. But like, Knives Out fucking crushed it last year. I just want to jump in with that. Oh, Knives Out. God, yeah, that was such so fun. a good film. I it's just it was like proper inheritance of Agatha Christie in that the main characters were slightly dickish, but ultimately good triumphs. And it's a sticky mystery. Like it's hammy, but also has like soul in weird ways. Like it's. There have been a series of new BBC adaptations, which I have enjoyed. They're very dark, very macabre. They're female driven. So it's got lots of good feminist undertones and overtones, quite frankly. All the tones. There's a lot of tones. All the tones. Every Um, tone is feminist. But like with Agatha Christie's, everyone's certain levels of morally compromised. So it's sort of like. Um, a horror movie where you can't trust the narrator because you're like, oh, is it all in their head? And there was elements of that in Knives Out, but I think ultimately she's just she's just really wholesome. Man, Knives Out was good. <laughs> oh, and that sweater, like obligatory mention for Chris Evans' sweater because, damn, dude can wear a sweater. The costuming on that film, oh, my goodness. See, Justin, I would like to introduce you to a term me and my friend use. It's called life goals, wife goals, because she explained to me once she wasn't sure why she had so much active wear, and then she realized it was because the women in the ads were really attractive. Interesting. <laughs> life goals, wife goals is basically where you see someone and you're like, ooh, I don't know if I want their outfit, I want to be them, or I want to be with them. For me, it's Will Graham in um, Hannibal, played by Hugh Dancy. He is so handsome. But also, man can wear a woodsy flannel like no man's business. And I love a woodsy flannel. He looks so cozy. For me, it's Kylo Ren in that mask. I'm just like, (laughs) I just don't know if I want to be him or if I want to be with him at a polite distance, kind of sitting awkwardly across tables, (laughs) alternately sipping sips of tea and just kind of like checking our phones. What all good ISO relationships should be. I think so. I don't know if you've noticed this, but myself, when I'm watching TV now, I'm like, hey, stop touching each other. (laughs) The the fear and the rules have become so ingrained. I'm like, but you're a good person. Why are you touching another person? This this isn't good isolation. Darcy, this was made 20 years ago. I, I really need to watch more like just like the cooking scenes from Breaking Bad, like everything very sterile. <laughs> just need to uh, start watching like 
only one hand in movies. Like, what was the one Tom Hardy did? Like, Lock or something? Have you seen Venom? <laughs> oh, man, see Venom. No, no, I've seen it. And, uh, I, 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 I did, no. <laughs> Tom Hardy, no. I love Venom. Why? No, ve- okay, Venom is... Explain yourself. Venom is what I think, like, Waterworld is to you. Like, a- apart from the grew up with it sort of part, it is not necessarily a good film, but all of the action sequences feel so organic, like the acting is kind of there for me. I know, it just has, like, enough elements that I was like, I think I'm liking this film. <laughs> Against all odds, you know what I mean? We've all we've all watched something where you're like, ooh, this might not be good, but I'm gonna. I think I like it though as well. Well, that was certainly my experience with the start of Star Wars, the one that you recommended <laughs> for me, because like for the first thirty minutes, up until they get to the snake, and I said this last time, but mm. um, up until they get to the snake, uh, it just feels like it's really rushed. It feels very montaged. It feels like the previous episode of this. Like, it's just... It was table setting. Like you could yeah. see he was like, this is the tone I'm going to get you back into, yeah. and then we're going to have an action-adventure movie. But JJ with your stupid, stupid, can't stick the landing. You just can't. He didn't stick we, we talked about this last time. Lost. Can't stick the landing. Man, that was such a good joke last time. His stupid mystery box writing. Ooh, what's in the mystery box? Beginning, middle, end. That's how you write a story, JJ. You don't go beginning, middle, cliffhanger. Beginning, middle, cliffhanger. Until you die. Minutes of this movie are really like him setting up the MacGuffins that he needed to have for the plot to work. Here's fantasy item. Now person is pursuing fantasy item, but other people are in the way. Which is fine. I've watched those movies. All my life. But it's not like Star Wars doesn't have a thousand MacGuffins already in the universe. Why did you have to set one up in, at the start of film nine? You're like, oh, Again, but now you have the I enjoyed all of these movies. I just wish someone had picked it up at the beginning and gone, okay, well, this, these are all the character beats we need to achieve. You know, like how someone might set up an improv scene. This was people's, like Star Wars has been people's baby for so long. Why wasn't there someone at the beginning who was like, all right, I've assembled three riders, tops. That's how many riders you can have before everything gets weird. Three riders. You're going to write the beginning, the middle, and an end, and you're going to signpost where everything needs to be. You're going to invent our MacGuffins, and then you're going to create the characters who are going to go after them. What are they like? Thanks for developing those. And now the directors can play with them and see what happens, but ultimately we know where it's going to end. That's what I wish happened, but what we got was still quite good and fun, so that's okay. What we got was fun. Let's focus on that. I'm not focusing on that because I'm still thinking about the hour of podcasting that we did earlier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, buddy. Did you did you want to do our non-news section? Oh, uh, okay. So... It's not the news. This is not the news. Uh, there's... Justin's not having a breakdown in the form of a, a joke comedy news section. He's actually having a breakdown because something terrible happened to him and we're all just going to be really nice to him, okay? Don't be nice to me. Oh, that's what it is. That's why the vibe's weird because you're being nice to me. Oh. <laughs> Darcy, I'm being stop softer it. and I'm a little stop bit it. more focused. This morning I was just like, ba-da-ba-boo. Now no, I'm like, well, okay. these are the things I want to talk about. 
Darcy, no. Okay, stare at a spot on your wall for 30 seconds. I need you to unfocus. Uh, rewind, Jalax, my mind. And after that 30 seconds, you'll also be really angry at me. So we'll have a better, we'll have a better energy. There's stuff that happened this week in the news. That's how I'm introing it. Oh, sorry, I was staring at the wall. Do you want me to come in now? Uh, sorry, no, you keep staring at the wall. Things that happened this week. So we're going to have a bit more conversation at the end about tech and stuff. But one of my favorite things that happened this week was I caught a couple of awareness raising videos with Matthew McConaughey, where he was referring to coronavirus as Corona V. I mentioned this to you in the earlier podcast. <laughs> that dastardly Corona V. All right, all right, all right. That Not all right, all right, all right. No good Corona V. Um, and so I was Did planning Did you see the on... video of him hosting bingo for those old people? He hosted bingo? Yes. And John Krasinski just hosted a prom for some teenagers. Oh, man. Celebrities virtually hosting events for random gatherings of people might become my new favorite go-to YouTube hole that I can fall down into instead of just watching people cut up uh, tuna. It's getting weird. So you're saying that celebrities should now be like a big face on the wall that just like oversees all public events? Yes. I mean, I wasn't before. Like in all of the dystopian movies, like, like the Apple 1984 ad? You know what? Have you if, seen that? It, I haven't, but I'm, I'm surmising from what you've said so far. <laughs> I could pick up context clues. I got where it was going. Hang on. If, like, the robot overlords or whatever, the evil corporation, if Big Brother was represented by the face of John Krasinski, I would probably love Big Brother. I'd probably <laughs> be like, oh, yeah, he's not going to hurt us. Don't worry about it. Let me chuck you this link. We are one. Oh, now, why would you think that was a good idea? Is that Morpheus? Why is there an Olympian running in a dystopian? Oh, they're going to save them. Okay, good. Now, I've never seen Logan's Run, but it feels like this is that. <laughs> On January 24th, Apple Computer will introduce Macintosh. And you'll see why 1984 won't be like 1984. So is that is that how John Krasinski hosted the prom? Well, I assume so, yes. Just a giant head on a wall. I still, I know that you're like, oh, it's ominous. It's not ominous. Maybe. I don't know. I've thought about it for more than two seconds now and I'm a little bit concerned. Why is it not ominous? Oh, dear. Well, because of John Krasinski's benevolence, I guess. All hail and long live John Krasinski. Mrs. Emily Blunt. Mr. Emily Blunt. Now it. I'd just like to say earlier today, the podcast had no mentions of Hitler. We were so good. <laughs> we were pretty dark. Didn't even mention Hitler once. At various points. You brought up tech and I wanted to tell the story about how good and wonderful our tech people are because basically our tech departments had to split themselves into two elite units so they don't cough on each other. If they stopped working, our entire office would just fall apart because we've all tried to go from work from home now. And it's thousands and thousands of people, probably not that many. I don't know how many people work in our office. Anyway, they've sent us out these very, very detailed step-by-step -step instructions on how to log in and how to set up everything. And I so didn't want to be this person but on the first day that I was working from home, I eventually had to call them. I felt like a right book, much like I did when I didn't realize what the Nuremberg trials and the Nuremberg speeches had in connection. So Don't call that back. It won't be in there. <laughs> <laughs> just, 
<laughs> so Justin foolishly told me that he likes sound markers for editing purposes. So like a, a clap that signals when he's going to cut something. He shouldn't have told me that because now every now and again when I want him to get rid of something, I'm just going to start clapping. Like if I think a joke is bad, it's just gonna, you're just going to hear. And if he then decides to keep it in, because Justin often thinks that his jokes are really funny when I do not and everybody else in the world does not, <laughs> you're going to hear those clapping and be like, yeah, Darcy, I agree with you. That was terrible. Why would you keep it in? On the Great British Bake Off, they started a thing where – if someone started tearing up on camera and they didn't want any of the editors later to be able to exploit the footage and, and put it on the show and make someone look bad, um, they just started cursing and yelling brand names. Oh, that's so sweet. Because they couldn't air the footage in that way. It's like learning at the White House, like the women that worked in the White House during Barack Obama's like time period. I don't know, this might be an internet fact. But they had this rule where if they heard another woman say something and then someone else would come in and be like, oh, I think, and basically restate their idea, like a dude was trying to take credit for it, the woman would then like be like, uh, no, actually, Jeanette said that. And if we can just go back to what Jeanette was saying, maybe she'd like to expand on it. And just like had each other's backs. What I was saying was that the tech support workers that we have are the strongest members of our community, I think, at the moment. And Darcy, that's not something that you agree with, is it? You've in the past said how much you hate tech support in the, workers. In the, uh, in the last podcast, I damned them all to hell. That is true. But you guys will never hear that. Yeah. <laughs> no. I guess you can jump on the bandwagon of my idea to support tech support workers at this point. It's, it's important that I bravely said it first so that Justin felt comfortable expressing his own views. He's shy. You probably could tell. You're a trendsetter. You're annoying. Why do I do these things for you? <laughs> I don't rightly know. So to end my charming anecdote before my learned colleague over here got a bee in his bonnet. I'm glad I asked you to be meaner to me. Yeah, you, you did. Remember? You could probably on your little machines and gadgets there. That did sound derogatory towards IT people. <laughs> No, they're really good. And basically this lady helped me and I stuffed something up and then she was trying to tell me how to do all these other things that she'd clearly had to explain a thousand times to other people. And I felt even worse. I'm like, no, 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 I figured that stuff out. I promise. Just go about your day. Sorry to have bothered you. End of anecdote. You happy now, Justin? When I've cut that down, it's just going to say, IT support people, Hitler, <laughs> question mark. <laughs> the question mark will have to be in your voice. So it'll be me saying, Hitler, <laughs> IT people, <laughs> question mark. Apparently that's how you sound in my head, like a happy little chipmunk. Well, now I won't have to edit it together. Oh, no. Now I shall be, <laughs> now I shall be the happy little chipmunk. You know, for someone who is, like, so concerned we're going to be living in a dystopian society, the rules you are setting for this bloody civilization that we've created between the two of us this podcast is a dystopia for two i don't care for it but that's okay guys it'll be stricken from the record anyway it people Hitler. question mark second news story <laughs> <laughs> yeah buddy what is it so in some other fun super fun happy fun news um the president of the united states this week free freeze froze that he frozen funds take that one again no, no, no editing this week. I refuse. This oh, is no, all going to be I've one. So many stupid things. One stream of consciousness. Oh, all right. The Sorry. president of the United States this week froze funds to the World Health Organization. It seems like he's approaching it in the same way he 
approached the president of Ukraine just trying to blackmail the World Health Organization into, like, taking back the coronavirus. I have no editorialising on that. That's just a, that's just a fact and a, and a bunch of other sad things that a person said. That's not fun. The fun thing about it is that White House spokesperson Kellyanne Conway, in defending the freeze on funds to the World Health Organization, said, It's COVID-19, not COVID-1, folks. Uh, this is COVID-19, not COVID-1, folks. And so you would think the people charged with the World Health Organization uh, facts and figures would be right. on top of that. She seems to have fundamentally misunderstood uh, that uh, COVID-19 is not the hot new 19th iteration of COVID we've been working on for years and we finally got it right. And now we're crushing it. We crushed one through 18. And she's like, well, we had all that time to prepare. Yeah. To finish off Justin's point. Uh, it's called COVID-19. Remember from the earlier podcast, it's called COVID-19 because that was the year that they found out and we're like, oh no. This is from our first week where I was being a pedant and I spelled out in great detail COVID-19, co-corona, virus, d- disease, and 19 for the year that it was discovered. And uh, she followed it up by saying, well, I mean, it's COVID-19, not COVID-20. Uh, they've had plenty of time to prepare. Of course, COVID-19 was first reported in the Wuhan province of China on literally the 31st of December 2019. <laughs> I had all that time. Yeah, yeah, they had so much time. They should have prepared before 2020. <sighs> oh, I had a happy news story. I'm going to share that one instead of my sad Go one. Go do the happy. The happy news story was, um, Drop it. as we might have been seeing, Australia not comparatively not doing the worst with COVID-19. That's quite good. We're doing all right. We have yeah. flattened the curve. We should continue flattening the curve. Good job, everyone. Keep up the good work, blah, blah, blah. But one of the things that we need is ventilators. And there's some crazy stuff going on trying to, because all the countries need them, because basically if you're in the ICU because of COVID-19, uh, at a certain point, you might need a ventilator to be able to help you continue to breathe because you can't do it for yourself. So ventilators are high premium in lots of countries. Australia managing to track some down. <laughs> I'm going to try and tell this anecdote with the same energy that I did last time. And it's gonna be... Yeah, tell it with exactly the same energy. <laughs> Look, we had a lock on some and we were really excited about it. It was in the shipping container. And I like to imagine that they were running towards it, like they bailed out of the cars. They were like almost there, a bunch of scientists in white suits. Why are they out of their labs with white suit, white suits, white lab coats? It's weird. But then there's nothing there when they get to where the shipping container. Why so, are they dressed like Blofeld from James Bond? Everyone should be dressed like Blofeld, as well-dressed. The scientists run out of their labs stroking a white cat. Anyway, what are they finding? What are they the doing? The cat is running alongside them. They are going to get these ventilators from the shipping container. The shipping container isn't where it's supposed to be. It has been stolen. Drama. So basically, that's going on. You didn't have to blow the bloody doors off. That's my Michael Caine. <laughs> oh, yeah. You didn't have to... Bl- you didn't... You didn't have to blow the bloody doors off. Oh, what? Why is Michael Caine Irish in yours? Okay, to get in his accent, you know what you have to do. It's Michael Caine. My cocaine. And then you proceed accordingly. My cocaine. Oh my god. What do you want? Your lucky charms? This is bordering on offensive. Bordering on. <laughs> anyway, there's a bit of a shortage. Big drama, right? Big drums. 
Australia has had to turn to its innovators, its technology section, and they have said, what can you do to help us? And these companies have pivoted. They've said, okay, well, we used to use 3D printing to make some other stuff. It's probably not high priority, but the bits and pieces that make up a ventilator, super high priority. So a bunch of these companies are getting together. They're sharing their IP. They're like, here's some thoughts we had. Here's some tech you might need. Sharing it, sharing it so they can make all these ventilators for us. And it's so good because they think they're on track to meet what we would need, like projected what we would need target. But they're like, and we're going to keep going. And the government officials are like, yeah, we think we're going to keep going. It's going to be great. So I know there's a lot of concerns, but hey, guys, we might be set for ventilators. <laughs> That'd be cool. You know that as as the editor of a science magazine, you know I love an entrepreneur. You know I love an innovator. I'm all about the innovative Benjamins. and agile people. I'm all about the Benjamins, <laughs> me and my, my pal Michael Caine. And that's why we do all them heists. But but no, it's it's a difficult industry to, like, everyone's got to carve out their niche, right? Everyone's mm. got to find their own angle. Everything's got to be kind of, like, very specialized and individualized. In a, in a globalized economy, you have to specialize. You have to, that's yeah. That's basically... And- been the underpinning of globalization for a really long time if you want your economy to boom you have to figure out something you can make that other countries can't because global economy but now global economy gone yeah. to shit <laughs> well and that's one of the principles of trade that's supposed to make it like relatively equitable like not to get too deep in the weeds on economics here but like one of the main things that trade is supposed to do right is like i have the capacity to produce more of this thing you have the capacity to produce more of that thing Therefore, we trade equitably and we're both better off, right? Because the thing that the other person's able to produce more easily, we both end up with more of it. The problem with that is when you just can't produce as much as other people. So you just like hoard the information you do have. You hold on to whatever you you can, you know, bite down on because everything has to be competitive all the time. Everything's fighting tooth and nail. And what we see at the moment and what is sometimes brought out of us in in a time of crisis is that you don't need to fight over everything and actually just having a few more people working on stuff a few more people with access to that knowledge and and access to those resources can make a huge difference we can absolutely mm-hmm. accomplish so much more with an exchange of information i think that has been the underpinning of this podcast is that we want people to share knowledge not germs i'm i'm pretty sure that's our tagline yeah that's yeah that's what um yeah i was talking about combative listening you were saying all of these beautiful things and how we should just get along and i made up that joke in my head and was giggling for the last five seconds (laughs) i'm gonna say this thing it's gonna be so stupid after his smart talk (laughs) share knowledge not germs i like that i like that (sighs) well it certainly made me happy (laughs) uh another slogan i think of the uh, podcast that I would like to endorse uh, based on now th- this is a slogan that's based on now two different sections of things that didn't make it to air because it's of course a component of the lost podcast and it's also something that was cut out of last week's podcast um, but uh, fuck sports betting is the <laughs> secondary slogan I'd like to endorse <laughs> Justin, do you want I to tell fucking, people why you think that? I fucking hate sports betting. I, I I have a real yeah. I I'm not a big fan of, I mean, of, of most forms of gambling. But I think that sports betting 
has done a really good job in recent years of gamifying, like it, gambling already Appearing has quite innocuous, where it is yes. in fact possibly uh, deleterious to people's mental health. Is that a word? Is that a word? It's a word now. Deleterious. Yeah. Deleterious. One one iteration of that. I've never heard it said. Either, but I just wanted to say it in that sentence. I'm going to Google it and get Google to pronounce it. Hang on. Deleterious. Deleterious. Deleterious to the mental health of people that are playing on their phones and things like that. Deleterious, formal adjective, causing harm or damage. Yes, um, deleterious is one way that I would describe sports belling, betting. Sports belling. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, my goodness. I'm eating my tongue. Fuck sports betting. It's deleterious is definitely the slogan. It just rolls off the tongue, yeah. as, you can, <laughs> as you can hear. A slogan should be something that people can't say. I've always said that. <laughs> it would have been better if I had said mispronounceable or unpronounceable, but then stuffed up the word. Anyway. Oh, that, that would have been so funny. Sports betting, bad. Your thoughts, why? Uh, in an article entitled Keep the Pokies Shut uh, by Michael West Media, I think a pretty decent site. They've got a lot of useful information about politicians, financial links, and those sorts of things. Uh, they have an entirely impartial article where they talk about how all the pokey dens were shut down on <laughs> Sunday, March the 22nd. But they um, highlight that the gaming industry was set to seize a record, seize a record $25 billion in losses from, gamer, from gamblers in 2020. I stuffed up this sentence last time in the podcast. So the gaming industry has been shut, and that flow-on effect has meant that... The gambling industry in Australia was set to seize a record $25 billion in losses from gamblers in 2020. Uh, and do you remember this from last time? How much uh, gamblers have saved per day as a result of the pokies being shut? want to say like $8 million? Try $38 million a day. <laughs> I was, I got the eight right, and you'd have no idea how proud I am of myself for that. You got it. You got the second <laughs> syllable, third syllable. So, yes, potentially shutting the pokies, having a good effect on the economy, getting that money out in there. According to this website, it's provided community stimulus of more than $800 million so far back into the Australian economy. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that figure of $800 million because obviously that's also money that is not income for people that work in pokey-related industries uh, like magicians, like card dealers. <laughs> I'm stealing that yes. joke from you last time as well. How dare you? That's very offensive to me. You know what he didn't reach on my list that we previously talked about? Brittany or Cher? That was one of the ones I brought up. Although Cher was yours, but, I mean, you can take Cher. You can have Cher. Basically, so wait staff, entertainers. Siegfried and Roy, which one of those is still around? Hotel industries, uh, event planners, all those sorts of people are losing that income, which is unfortunate, but <laughs> I could be planning events for people that are social isolating. I just have to get really good at handling Zoom. Right, and then I just post people individual party favor like things, little little party hats and streamers, 
and then you all have to decorate your room in the right theme. I could totally plan parties in isolation. Do you want your head to be on a giant screen broadcasting? Oh my goodness. Honestly, I feel like you might. You keep coming back to this idea and you're being pretty dictatorial today. Dictatorial. Yep, let's go with that. Deleterious. So I feel like I feel like you want to be the head on the wall, man. I've just realized Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. Was there money on that bingo game? <laughs> I don't know. Is he replacing the Pokédens with his giant dystopian (laughs) face on a wall? Is that where we're going now? If the choice was Pokies or an enormous picture of Matthew McConaughey calling out bingo numbers, you know which I'd choose? Fucking McConaughey every single time. I'm I'm so glad. I I would choose him also. I think at, at this point last time I said, hey, you know, it's okay if gambling is your vice, though. Uh, just, like, try not to let it ruin your life because sometimes the things that are banned are things that we still like, like smoking or really big sodas or drinking. You know, everything in moderation. I, I don't think do – I think do some things in moderation. <laughs> don't do everything. That's a good rule. You know what's not a gamble? Neptune Today, the increasingly rare limited edition science magazine. Want to escape to a time before all this nonsense? Want to make colourful burgers, build a backyard foam machine, or just sit back and do a fun cryptid crossword? Wear Neptune Today on all the socials. Hit us up for a copy, throw us some money on Patreon, or just get in touch. Any support you can give us, financial or otherwise, helps keep this podcast alive and well. Before we get to tech, thanks to a bunch of people for their public domain sounds. We're talking. Let me just bring this up. We're talking BBC sound effects. We're talking Kevin MacLeod reaching out. We're talking freesound.org contributors Inspector J, Harris85, Jacob Mathieson, Idolize, Waxsock, JMDH, Waterboy920, Torre, Curly12346, Lucius Spine TV, Original Maja, Kodak, and Suja. I'm sure I got absolutely every one of those names absolutely perfect. And thanks to Matt and Saz for this episode's feature presentation. That was all them. Voices, sounds, production, and of all weeks, what a blessing to have had it land in our laps this week. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. You rock. And now, here's Angus. I've got a couple of different components of the tech segment this week. So I'm just going to fire some stuff at you and yep. feel free to just kind of take any of these on notice or, or whatever. Yeah. I'll probably half take things on notice. Like be prepared to sort of come back if there's anything I want to clarify or confirm. Yeah, sure, sure. Well, one of the things we've got this week is we have a listener question, which is exciting. Hey. It's our very first listener question. And this comes from listener Worry Puffin, who asks... How do I teach lab skills and practical stuff as a science teacher remotely through Google Classroom? They have been asked for a bit of context to use Google Classroom to run a lab practical over the internet uh, without any of their students having lab equipment in their homes. So this is quite a complex (laughs) opening salvo for you, Angus, but hopefully we can get through this. Cool. So first thing there I'd say is, um, is it teaching chemistry or physics or Chemistry type practices are probably the hardest because they're the most hands-on. 
and there'd be some skills there that you don't gonna be able to learn remotely really i would say not using google classroom is, is probably preferable uh in the classroom is really more about sharing files primarily there's other tools in the g suite that are vaguely useful can you run through i i don't know much about google classroom so yep what is it uh so basically you can you can make a class there i guess it's sort of like a miniature lms uh so like moodle or blackboard but not as full featured uh but so you can make you can make assignments or quizzes or, or stuff like that. Um, it's pretty heavily text-based as far as I'm aware, but I think it, it integrates with some of the other G Suite tools. If I was to try to teach a classroom through distance learning, I'd, I'd probably either go with Moodle or use something like Classroom, but also use Teams. What else could you do with those that you can't do with Classroom? Moodle's a bit better in terms of, sort of virtual learning. I believe you can share video on that more easily, uh, although I'm not 100% sure there. Everyone with an Office 365 license should have access to Teams, and I think generally students will have a 365 license. So if you wanted, you could use Google Classroom to share the sort of the assignment side of things, um, get people to upload their answers to questions or whatever they need there, and then maybe share video on Teams. Okay, so what you could potentially do, and I'm assuming, yeah, as you're saying, that a chemistry practical might be a bit difficult because, you know, you're probably not allowed to just go and buy the sort of stuff you might use for chemistry experiments as individual students. That's probably not something you could Yeah. <laughs> Say we're uh, not asking students to mass purchase magnesium or something like that. Say we're talking about, you know, a physics experiment. You're dropping yeah. something from a great height. Yeah, so... For that, I mean, I'd probably just set up a laptop on a table sort of where you want to do the experiment. Use Teams probably because it's pretty simple to use because it's run through Office 365 that you don't need to be connected to anything like a VPN for it. It's, it's all cloud-based. And then you can just film the experiment on the teacher's computer, have the students watch it. You can chat in real time. Basically, Teams is Microsoft's replacement for a few tools, Skype for business and Skype for being sort of slowly replaced by it. You can also share files with it because it integrates with SharePoint and OneDrive. So if you want to maybe put up track notes beforehand, have the students read them and then watch the video sort of as part of a Teams meeting, that would probably work fairly well. Yeah, neat. And what about if money's no object, you can use any piece of software in the world, you know, what would be the ideal tech solution? Would you be using some incredible vanity custom software or... How would you be doing putting um, this together? That's a little outside of my expertise. Um, yeah, yeah. I'd say there's, um, I did a little bit of sort of research into this, and it looks like there's a couple of people who are trying to make sort of remote technology with virtual labs where you can sort of try to build an experiment and have the students pretend to do it virtually. Actually, one thing which is really old now, um, oh, I'm just thinking you could try to kind of gamify it a little bit. Uh, like it was a computer game in the 90s called The Incredible Machine. Okay. And that was, for physics, something similar to that could be really good uh, and could keep students' attention because, I mean, half of the thing with labs is they're a great way to keep kids interested in what's going on. So, yeah, you could totally find literally a, a computer game like The Incredible Machine where you're basically testing the outcomes of things. You'd have to change sort of the practice format a bit because that was basically you would do like series of, of levers and pulleys and 
have things sort of drop and watch how they interact with their environment. It's a bit silly, but. Oh, I think I've played this actually. I think I've played this. I yeah. don't think I've ever actually used it in a classroom setting. I think I just, but I think I played it on school computers. So I knew there was a capacity yeah. for it to be used for science education and, and yet it was never actually. Because I mean, I was, I was just thinking of like really sort of hard nosed sort of university level remote lab stuff. But honestly, something like that could be a really good way to teach physics. Um, I think it would keep kids interested. Um, maybe something as well like pandemic for biology could be fun right now. <laughs> maybe, oh, I would maybe put a hold on pandemic. <laughs> Although the uh, highest selling app uh, for the first few weeks of the outbreak, you'll be pleased to hear, uh, on the app store was Plague Inc. Yes, that game had a uh, resurgence in the first couple of weeks of the corona outbreak. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, no, I, I would probably say if you, if you want to try to do lab stuff, um, maybe a combination of those two approaches. Um, obviously, I'm not an educator. I'm not coming at it from a sort of pedagogical standpoint. But Oh, no, we're, I think we're very much just, you know, improving and, and riffing around the subject here. But yeah. even for the chemistry situation, I think if you had some sort of video game component to it, where the things that you're trying to communicate that obviously you can't do with the physical objects. Yeah. You would still be able to pick up a lot of the technical knowledge there. And then I guess the intuitions around experimentation and trying new things you could do with something more like that physics game. Yeah. Um, I think as well, it's probably a good time to, to be teaching things that maybe aren't necessarily experiments, but still teach similar things. Get everyone to learn the tarot panel puzzle or <laughs> something like that. I think we've nailed that one. Yay. I think we've just crushed our first listener question. Thanks for your question, Worry Puffin. We hope that addresses everything and now it's all fine and uh, you're perfectly able to solve that issue. I did have a couple of other questions that I just wanted to ask more generally about tech stuff around Corona. Yep. One of the things we mentioned last week on the podcast, I actually mentioned this in our interview with Tiff, yep. the security of Zoom calls. There have been a few questions raised about the security of it. I know they made a couple of mm. false claims in the early days about you know, <laughs> they, they claimed to have end-to-end -end encryption, which they just didn't have. There was one professor that actually said that the ability to switch on your camera remotely was equivalent to malware. Yeah. So there's a few big statements that have been made. What are your thoughts on the sudden uptake of Zoom? Yeah, um, I, I guess broadly, first of all, I'd probably say that it's really important to separate privacy and security, uh, both as, as components of <laughs> privacy and security, um, in that they're sort of pretty different domains. So Zoom my view is that they've got problems on both the default privacy settings. Uh, so, so privacy is basically the extent to which policy and process determines what information is available. Zoom's privacy settings by default are pretty weak. You have to sort of manually password protect your Zoom calls. You have to sort of manually set up some of the extra features which they have, which are fairly robust in terms of the privacy landscape. So you can make it so that you need to approve everyone that joins or password protect the meeting or have like a little lobby that people sit in before they're invited to the meeting proper, sort of like PUBG. But then security is more, I guess, how well the infrastructure supports those privacy settings. Security-wise, Zoom isn't end-to-end -end encrypted. Uh, they are, I understand, making some changes in terms of how Zoom works. 
So uh, I believe one of them was they were letting people opt out of certain data stores being used. So you could bypass your data traversing the China data store. Broadly, though, I'd say Zoom, don't treat it as though it's private and secure. Treat it as though it's not. So don't say anything on it that you wouldn't say in public. Don't share any personal or private or sensitive information. Don't share documents unless they're really minimal damage if they're out. But still feel free to catch up for work drinks or things like that. There was an article from, I think, yesterday that uh, India was banning the government using Zoom because they were concerned about it from a cybersecurity standpoint. So does that mean, I suppose it's well and good to say don't say anything private over a conference call. Yep. But presumably, like, a lot of businesses are holding meetings over, over Zoom at the moment. Yeah. Would you say that they should be switching to another platform or would you say that they should find some other way to communicate that more secure information while they are having certain discussions over the conference call? Yeah, um, I would generally probably lean towards the latter. I mean, it does come down to that there's always going to be a trade-off with security in terms of no network is entirely secure. No system is entirely secure. Most of the time, there's a trade-off in terms of how much you want to spend, how much effort you want to put in to your cybersecurity. Uh, Zoom's probably not ideal for most business cases, but for some, I'm sure it'd be fine if you're talking sort of more hypothetical things or information that's not confidential. Otherwise, if you want to talk about things that are confidential or that shouldn't be disseminated, yeah, probably use, um, I don't want to sound like a Microsoft shield, but maybe use Teams for that. Or Yeah, every single question is just use Microsoft. I mean... Yeah, it's surprising for me. Um, so long as you don't ask me to like search for something using Bing, I think I'm a... <laughs> I'm still talking to an IT person. But no, there are some other sort of video conferencing solutions. Um, I think WebEx is probably another alternative. It's uh, would be a bit more secure. Um, or you could try to avoid having too many conferences and do things by email that don't need to be done through a meeting. I've worked with some secure information in the past, and largely what we did was on the conference call, we talked about whether we were happy with the information that had been provided to us, whether information had been provided to us in a timely fashion, that sort of thing. If we had mm. any discrepancies about data that had been transferred that might be more sensitive, we would deal with that in emails. I feel like you can make those sorts of distinctions and still use the conference call system as the way of introducing the human element, doing the delegation of the work, you know, because yeah. it, it's so much nicer to have those things as conversations rather than the dispassionate conversations you might have over an email chain. But mm. for sure, there's there's more secure ways of having that chat. For me, I think one thing in, in the public sector we have to do is we have to look at dissemination and limiting markers, CLMs. When we send emails with uh, security rating on them in terms of how widely that can be published and maybe trying to use that type of thinking in terms of the way that you're communicating through video conferencing solutions could be a good idea because i mean again none of them are going to be entirely secure although zoom is definitely further down the line in terms of being insecure uh, compared to some of the other options the other thing that i wanted to chat about is one of the big things in the news uh, over the past couple of weeks has been the government asking people to voluntarily nominate to have their location tracked via an app on their phones. Yeah. And my understanding is the point of this is to, if anyone does get diagnosed with corona, to be able to isolate those hotspots 
of uh, corona activity and then very quickly quarantine anyone that was in that area at that time. Mm-hmm. It's in fitting with the government's general kind of uh, search and destroy coronavirus elimination rather than minimization mm-hmm. approach. But obviously there are certain concerns people have about letting the government track their location all the time. So Yeah. Yeah, so I guess from a privacy standpoint, I don't know a huge amount about the app. It's um, I understand it's based on Singapore's contact tracing app. So I guess there's a couple of things there. One is that it's obviously going to be opt-in. You're not going to have to sort of opt out of having it deployed to your phone. Although I guess that honestly would, would probably make it work better. Well, I mean, most things would work better if you made <laughs> everyone do them, but that doesn't necessarily mean... I, I guess my view on it is that effectively... The problems with it are more that people won't use it. And I, I wonder if the information is going to actually be that useful. I think the uptake rate will probably be pretty low because it's it's something that you've got to manually seek out and install. And we've just had the My Health Record opt out, which I think there are a lot of people there who are pretty sceptical of that. So I'm sort of more sceptical with it of the quality of information it provides rather than the privacy side of things. I, I think it's it's basically just looking at which mobile devices are, are near each other. So not entirely de-anonymized information, but I don't think it's tracking actual location. I think it's tracking proximity to other phones, although I'd like to look into that a little bit further. Sure, sure. Uh, and we'll probably find out more information sort of in the next couple of weeks. ASD are looking at it at the moment. Probably one thing that would be really important if the government were to deploy an app like this would be that they have to have Obviously, they'd have to be vetted by both government and independent privacy experts. So OAIC would have to look at it and say, yeah, look, this is okay. It conforms to privacy laws. You probably want some external cybersecurity and privacy experts to be looking at it to make sure it is okay. If you didn't do that, there could be privacy issues and there could also be sort of pretty serious public confidence issues. I guess the public confidence will feed into the question of of uptake which ultimately feeds into the efficacy discussion Mm. which itself could feed back into whether it's even a worthwhile measure in the first place if it's not going to be an effective measure because of a lack of public confidence then there may not be much public confidence in it it's it's a weird kind of speculation cycle that you could enter into yeah um i mean kind of dangerous territory from a privacy standpoint but i would say that probably a better way to make it definitely work would be uh, effectively the opposite of of an opt-in solution. So uh, working with Google and Apple to have it deployed to people's phones unless they opt out of it, but that's not going to happen and shouldn't happen probably. But but I think that's how you'd make it actually provide useful information because, you know, it could be someone who's very sick that doesn't have the app and because you're missing that sort of one vital point, there could be a lot of people who are getting missed out, I guess my concern is that if we rely too much on this information, it could cause more harm than good if there's a really low uptake rate. Yeah, I mean, the government hasn't been too reticent to partner with big companies and, and try and make these changes. I know that the coronavirus app that the government released uh, also has a WhatsApp component, which they've partnered with, mm-hmm. I believe, Facebook and Atlassian to deliver. So there's a couple of different components of their coronavirus plan that do involve working with big companies already. But I mm. I imagine there's a bit of a step, especially considering the length of time 
that people are looking at having to monitor coronavirus spikes. It might mm-hmm. not be just a short-term thing. Yeah. So there's also a concern around what the scope would be, whether there is a date at which it, it stops running on people's phones. Yeah, there's, there's definitely some sort of broader questions there as well in terms of how we deal with corona, some of the changes that we've made, you know, when are they going to be wound back, if at all? I, I think that definitely applies though to the, the changes we're seeing in the IT sphere. Like we'll probably continue to see people working from home for a long time after it's no longer necessary from a health standpoint. Which is good, but it's awful for IT people. Just because it's it's possible for those people to work from home. Yeah. Well, I suppose if you realize, you know, if if you can do your job from home, you've you've been working from home for the past, you know, several months, you may not need to come back into the office. Mm. It, uh, yeah, there's some broader future of work questions, I guess. But yeah, okay, well, I'll check back in on that one as the as the weeks go on, because obviously that one is more of a developing. Uh, story but yeah that's a that's a nice little overview of where we're at at the moment there's no other things no no the world is very important may you live in interesting times <laughs> uh i think that's pretty much it did you have any grand thesis that you want to drop on us some some grand tech wisdom that you want to close out the segment with uh, not really just be ready for it guys to take a couple of weeks to get back to you Uh, we're still very busy we're still kind of dying um, but we're doing everything we can do we want to pretend that we just listened to the tech uh, bit what are you talking about Darcy we did just listen to the tech bit and what did you think we're so good at podcasting (laughs) I thought that that was very informative it was very helpful and as we previously I mean it's overturned my original opinion which you all know is that fuck IT people now I'm like, hey, IT people, they're the bee's knees. They're just tip top. I love the various things IT people can do as detailed in Angus's tech segment. Uh, can you name two or three of your favourites? I liked the meetings and uh, the assistance that they provide in general. That's so true. Is that anywhere? <laughs> That's so true. Uh, well, this has been a shit show. It felt good. It felt, it felt natural. <laughs> Oh you know, man! For the depression episode, what were we expecting, really? Oh man, I was expecting it to record the first time, dude. Did we take off everything that we wanted to? I mean, I got to talk about Kylie Ren's pretty face, so I'm, I'm pretty chill. You did well, like we had a good. Oh, conversation I did want to mention earlier. that he killed all of the Knights of Ren and like didn't bat an eyelid. He was just like, "Hey, people, I've spent my entire life with after I left my family. Die, 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 die," and that's of note. Yeah, I don't like when you have to kill your friends to redeem yourself. I've often said that. To any of my friends listening, I hate when I have to do that. <laughs> I didn't I didn't want to. Can they can they hear this podcast in the cold, cold ground, Justin, you murderer? Because I was I was so nice to Justin this morning. You were so nice to me. It was such a lovely chat. We had such a good time. Nothing but good vibes. I never accused you of being a murderer this morning. We didn't even discuss Hitler once. Well, it took a turn. It got gloomy out. It did. It genuinely got gloomy outside. Oh, I did make a film recommendation, which I do want to reiterate because, um, I mean, you did watch one this week, but whatever. No, no, I'm going to continue down this track. At some point in our previous conversation, the word tombstone was said, which, of course, brought to mind the excellent Western tombstone. It's about the OK Corral. It's got Wyatt Earp, it's got Doc Holliday, 
it'll really set you up with the knowledge that you need to watch the excellent TV show Winona Earp. Tombstone, of course, came up during our discussion, extensive discussion of redemption arcs in Buffy and Angel. Uh, and my uh, dissonance, I feel, in my dislike of Wesley, but my like of Alexis Denisov as a beautiful man. To cycle back, Buffy's tombstone says she saved the world a lot and uh, we love and respect her for that. Didn't say the last part. It was just a nice thing. Uh, I wanted my tombstone to say eaten by polar bears regardless of what uh, actually happened. Oh, shit, we had that whole polar bear discussion. (laughs) This is going to sound like we're making shit up. This is gonna no for reals. We organically got to polar bears somehow. So that's how good it was. (laughs) Oh man. Oh, such a podcast filled with regrets. It's just regrets the whole way down. Hey, do you want to talk about our theme? (gasps) I have to. No, 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 no. Speaking of regrets, the most amazing thing happened last night. It is not really a regretful thing, but it is something that other people might regret. Um. So last yesterday. Last yesterday. yesterday. Uh, last yesterday, my uh, my friend is getting married, but they have had to postpone their wedding because of the corona of it all. The rona. The corona it of it all. And uh, to sort of discuss what was happening with it and uh, to have something to do on Saturday, we decided to have a mimosa brunch with the bridesmaids, which ended at around 6.30. My goodness. In the evening. Had we had a few? Perhaps. And at some point, we were discussing how it just feels a bit icky to be going to a hairdresser at the moment. I know we're allowed to, but um, one of my friends is living in a, in a rural area, so she can't get to her preferred hairdresser, even if she would want to run the gauntlet. So throughout the conversation, one of the mates kept saying, well, I mean, if you, if you keep on talking about shaving your head, man, maybe you want to. And uh, the other friend said, yes, I do. I, I, I really do. I think about it a lot. I have the clippers here. And things escalated to the point where she actually did it. She shaved her hair. It was amazing. What? No. <laughs> yeah, straight up. No. On camera, we watched her shave her head. Oh, my God. It looks really good. I, I'm sure it does, but good God. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. So, other people don't do that because, A, you will not have her hand-eye coordination, especially that many mimosas in. That was impressive. And, B, probably won't look as good. <laughs> at, at some point, Ellen and I are going to cut each other's hair, probably. It's, it's becoming a relationship milestone in the age of Rona. Yeah. The main concern that I have is that we will then hit a point where we just decide that, well, it's cheaper, and then we just become the couple that cut each other's hair all the time. <laughs> You're going to look like cult members. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I really don't like that she wants to introduce a bowl into the whole process. <laughs> no, let, trust that impulse. Oh, Ellen, you're genius. <laughs> I'm okay with it, provided there are two bowls, um, and I can get a tonsure, a nice little <gasps> monk ring. My brother did that. What? What, what the fuck? <laughs> Why? Why do you do this? You know how how footy clubs sometimes um, like shave their heads when they win a game or something? Oh, sometimes. Yes. Yeah, sure. In the old days when there were sports. You know how I am and then work backwards a little bit and then forwards a little bit and then mix it up a little bit and then that's my brother. So you can imagine, I think his friend did a mohawk and he did a tonsure like a monk and they hadn't told anyone else 
except for the people that saw them shaving in the locker room, I assume, and they just came out and played a game. <laughs> and you don't understand how much staring it takes to realise that that has happened. You're like, is he wearing a grey cap? What? What? <laughs> Other people come up to tell you? They're like, did you know your brother did? Well, I'm looking at him. Are you sure? <laughs> uh, I just want to point out that uh, we've now past the point that we ended the last call. Well, if we want to, we can wrap it up. I feel like oh, we, no, I wasn't... we talked some nonsense. Have we have we reached the level of quality that you think we reached in the last call? Well, yes and yes and no. That's a no. I mean, I, <laughs> I didn't organically get to talk about polar bears, which, you know, is upsetting. Just bring them up. It's my, it's, it's my new... Wedge them yeah, in. I'm going to work it in. <laughs> yeah, but you didn't get to speak to Irish Michael Caine. <laughs> In the first one. Oh. So Yes, and if he if that could never happen again, I mean I would be devastated, but I feel like maybe you think that that's a good idea. It's my only impression, Darcy. <laughs> I wanted to talk about industries that are thriving. No, I didn't really want to. Do it. Crush it. But um I I <laughs> crush it. I don't know what industries are thriving anymore. You know what? There's actually an untapped well of information. There's one thing that I did not bring up in the last podcast that could be a source <gasps> of podcast redemption. Uh, Crack the maple sign. What is it? There's a movement uh, from the 2000s, which I think was trying to warn us about the coronavirus. It's something that I think should come back, an industry that should surprisingly thrive. Um, it's about maintaining minimal contact with services and spending uh, minimal time Traveling between two locations, I am of course talking about parkour. I believe <laughs> I believe coronavirus should You're be right. the when sp- someone mentions parkour, I don't want to talk to them or touch them anymore. <laughs> coronavirus should bring back parkour. Change my mind. No, it's touching so many public surfaces. What is wrong with you? The minute you're doing flips off of like a, a handrail anywhere, that's the rotor. You've got it. No, no, but, but you're trying to contact surfaces as little as possible. And so what you do a lot of is you contact parts of surfaces people won't normally contact. Are people really contacting the top of that wall? Of course not. Parkour is the way. To get up to that wall, you're definitely going to have to touch. Man, parkour is nothing without a handrail. It's definitely, definitely going to have been touched. Stay indoors. Wear gloves and do parkour. <laughs> This is my you're you're advocating for people to gamble and I'm saying lightly, lightly gamble. Spend none of your money on gambling. Spend it entirely on parkour like gloves and cool like gecko (laughs) shoes and just run on walls, people. So gross. Just run on walls, people. This is the way. (sighs) This is how we get through. This is how we get through the dark times. This is how I step neatly out of the depression episode. I'm going to glide. You know what, Justin? You're going to glide? Uh, okay, send me some videos of you throughout the week just parkouring about the place. I will. If you get the Rona, I get all of your worldly possessions. Those are the rules. I think, no. Hang on. <laughs> Verbal contract. Legally binding. If I if I get Corona while doing parkour... I think I think that's a good deal. We're gonna have to bring in the tracing people. Like you're gonna have to download the government app, and I'll be like, "Oh, it's such a terrible, terrible thing." Can I ask? I'm 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 just trying to understand it all. Where exactly did he get it? Was he flipping from maybe a handrail in some public? Look, 
fucking, I knew it, I knew it. Boom, give me your stuff. Verbal contract. I give Darcy all of my stuff. <laughs> Justin said that. Parkour. <laughs> oh, dear. Yep. So I'm going to be mirrors edging all over the place. What are you planning on doing? Oh, I'm going to be watching documentaries. I think the royalties from documentaries will be only nature ones, though. They're the only ones I'll watch and only ones made prior to a certain point because I don't know if you know this, but a lot of modern ones want to tell you about global warming and you'll get really fucking sad. <laughs> Where would you say is a prime location for a documentary to be set, a nature documentary? Well, the next one I'm about to chow down on is Wild Russia, so I'm pretty keen for that. But I would say anyone with wolves in it, because you immediately have the ultimate question in any nature documentary, are you going to go for the predator or the prey? You are posed it so many damn times. And like with wolves, it's the perfect point because, as you've demonstrated, talking about wolves earlier, was that in this podcast or the last one? That wasn't in this one. That was in the last one. Oh, no. No, no, go for it. Go for oh, it. Oh, callbacks on callbacks on callbacks. Anyway, the issue was our brains go, wolves want to eat us, but our brains also go, but dogs are our friends. Oh, puppy. Yeah. So, see a wolf, if you get introduced to the pack early on and you're like, oh, they need to get meat for the winter, otherwise the new pups will die. And you're like, oh, my God. I can't tails. So you're like, yeah, fuck that buffalo. Take it down. That bison's got to go. That baby otter, that hare over there, that new deer, eat it all. Whereas if you are maybe watching the new deer get born and then you're like, oh, he's, so, he's got the little dots on his back like Bambi and his legs are all wobbly and his mum can't protect him but she's trying. And then, you know, it's that, it's that old dilemma. I, I have been erring on the side of the prey because there was this amazing one where, like, a, a buffalo mum came back. It looked like she'd been – this little baby one had been abandoned in, like, a icy river and a wolf was literally just, like, trying to hammer at it. And the, the buffalo baby, like, kicked back with its little legs and it was so – it was trying so hard and its mum came back even though that's against what she should be doing for herself. And she came back and they joined up with the herd again. That is not what I was expecting to happen. Anyway, so I've been I've been erring on the side of prey recently, but I feel like Wild Russia's going to sort that shit out and I'm going to go for bears. What kind of – if you go into the Arctic Circle, which is – has parts of Russia. <laughs> you could maybe, maybe you could see well, some sort know. of bear of what kind of nature, Darcy. Well, you got to watch out for those ones because polar bears, I don't know if you know this, Justin, but they kill people. They have the most highest kill rate of all bears, Brought she said, back. hoping that was right. Yo! Brought it back. And in fact, that's, that's what I'd like you to put on my tombstone. Darcy, killed by polar bears, regardless of if that is fact or fiction. Oh, you know what I will say, though? <laughs> what will you say? Will what have say you been to? Bears are actually a very difficult one to choose because a lot of the time they're just eating fish, and I don't give a fuck about fish. Fuck so fish. you watch them eat grubs and stuff. Mainly I'm just concerned about those old like male bears that are coming around when mum's got her cubs and the cubs have to learn how to climb really quickly because the male bear is like, well, it's not my cubs, tasty treat. And mum has to be like, Rawr! like she has to actually fight off another of her species because he's like, oh, well, they're not mine. I guess they don't need to live anymore. Ugh, that guy. 
that guy, am I right? Anyway, I've never watched a documentary where he wins. <laughs> Sorry, I, I just I just really wanted that to be. Anyway, I've never watched a documentary. <laughs> I've heard they're great, though. I've got all of these Someone thoughts. explained all of these scenes to me, blah, blah, blah. I just thought I'd recreate them. I love in documentary where Big Bear hit other bear. Oh, no, it's no good. Mama Bear, it's got to mess him up. You know, you try not to anthropomorphize, but baby bears are so freaking cute, man. We get taught to anthropomorphize bears so young. It's okay. You can feel things okay. for baby bears. Thank, thank you. That's uh, not helpful. <laughs> oh, yeah. This podcast, this is the first thing that's been said here that's not helpful, so maybe we should just leave it there. <laughs> Everything we've set up till now is helpful, but we're starting to get a little unhelpful, so maybe we call it. All been helping. <laughs> Anyway, we didn't discuss the theme song, so here it is. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why? No, I'm alone in the house. I don't want to hear this when I'm alone in the house. It's so creepy. This is like this it. is the sweet, sweet sound of Roy Atwell with Some Little Bug Is Going To Find You. <laughs> oh, my God. Some little bug is going to find you someday. Some little bug will sneak behind you someday. Then he'll send for his bug friends and all your earthly trouble ends. Some little bug is going to find you someday. You've been listening to Radio Lockdown, a Neptune podcast.